0: Thank you for joining us for this podcast of the Family Fellowship of Greenville, located in Greenville, Texas. If you'd like more information about our church, please log on to www.familyfellowship.us or email us at info at familyfellowship.us. Now here's Lee lead all Blue. Good morning, everyone. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Anybody here just really enjoy failing at stuff? I hate to fail at things. Um, as a young boy, you know, probably 10, 10 years old or younger, uh, baseball was probably my best sport. It's one of those things that just I had an older brother, and so we spent a lot of time playing catch, throwing to each other, all that. So it was just something that, you know, as, as, a, as a little guy, it kind of came easier to me because I had an older brother. But then when I got to probably about 12 years old, 13, something like that, my vision started going a little bit and I didn't realize it. You know, when it when your vision goes slowly, you don't realize what you don't see anymore. And uh, so I couldn't see and I was getting into the older levels of baseball. I couldn't see the baseball spinning anymore. So all they had to do was throw a curve and I did not know where it was going. So I quit baseball, focused on basketball. And uh, so After many years of not playing baseball and then several years of not playing softball either, because we used to do that some in in the church leagues here, um, we were at youth camp one summer, and there was a softball game that was going on, and so they asked me to play, and I did, and to make a long story short, after a long time of not playing baseball or softball in a softball game, I struck out. Which is a total fail. You should never strike out in softball. But I did. Um, So you know what I did for the next few years at camp? I volunteered to umpire. That's what failure will do. When we fail at things, often what happens is, is because we hate the feeling that comes with it, we give up on that thing that we failed at. Figure, what's the use? So, we don't put ourselves in the position to fail again. The reason I think that many Christians have stopped praying, by the way, you do realize that probably the most talked about thing and least practiced thing in Christianity is prayer. What happens is the reason that many stop praying is because something happened somewhere and they prayed. And it didn't work out the way that they thought. And so they believed that their prayer failed. And as a result, they don't do it anymore. We asked God for something. And that something did not happen the way that we were asking God. And so we just, we quit asking. I think the biggest reason people feel like they are failures at prayer is because they have a misunderstanding of how prayer works. And I kind of just decided to kind of follow what we're doing today. Follow up last week. We were talking about how thankfulness and prayer, they have to go together. But I just feel like maybe there was a little more that we could talk about in that. So I want to just kind of follow up on that this morning to talk about prayer again. The reason that, that people, I think, often feel like their, their prayer fails is because they have grabbed a verse or two out of Scripture and they have interpreted that verse or two on an island by themselves instead of within the context of all of the Bible and, and, and all that the Bible has to say about prayer. See, a a verse of the Bible is not the puzzle. It's just a piece of a bigger puzzle. And so we have to take that piece and we have to see it in the context of, of all the other pieces. And what happens is, is often we just look at that one verse or maybe two verses, and when things don't work out the way that they look like they should in that verse, we give up. A great example of that when we're talking about prayer is Matthew 21, verse 22. Jesus is speaking here, and he says this. You can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. Now, what happens is, is we take that one verse and we read it and we go, OK, well, I'm going to ask for anything. I'm going to have faith. And so God owes it to me to, to do it. But that's just not exactly how it works. And I hope to be able this morning to kind of help you see a little bit bigger picture. Um, so often what happens is, is we we want something. We we pray for it. And in the context of this verse, if we don't get it, we assume. I didn't have enough faith. Because the Bible said that if I had faith and I asked it, I would receive it. So I guess I didn't have enough faith. And since I didn't have enough faith for that to be answered, I guess I don't have enough faith for anything to be answered. And so as a result, we just stopped praying altogether. I'd like to ask, uh, I'd like to address that this morning. So here in Acts chapter 12, uh, we have a story about Peter breaking out of jail. And it's caused by big prayer. So in Acts chapter 12, Let's begin reading in verse 1. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned Peter, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each, 16 soldiers. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial... After the Passover. So here we have the story of Peter being thrown in jail. Herod had had James killed. It made all the Jewish people really happy. And so he thought, okay, well, I'll make them happy again tomorrow. So he arrests Peter, puts Peter in prison, is going to bring him to trial. And you know how this trial is going to work out, right? This is really not a fair trial. So Peter's going to also be put to death. So at the beginning of this chapter, chapter 12, James, the Bible says, is dead. Peter is in jail, and he's about to be dead. And Herod is the king. He's gloating about all of this. So, with Peter in jail, what does the church do? What do the other followers of Jesus do? They pray. Verse 5. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him, Some other translations say that they prayed constantly for him. So there was this ongoing prayer meeting, if you will. They're praying for Peter. And, and what do you suppose they're praying? Well, I think it's safe to assume that they're praying. Get Peter out of jail. save Save Peter's life. So while they're praying. In the meantime, verse six. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep fastened with two chains between two soldiers others stood guard at the prison gate suddenly there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the lord stood before peter the angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said quick get up and the chains fell off his wrists then the angel told him get dressed and put on your sandals and he did now put on your coat and follow me the angel ordered Kind of an interesting thing here as, that I just kind of want to pull out of the middle, uh, the middle of this story. James has been killed. Peter's about to be killed. And what's Peter doing? He's sound asleep. Now, I don't know about you, but most people, when they know they're going to execution the next day, don't generally sleep too well. Apparently, Peter's not too worried about all this. You know, we talk a lot about trying to live above fear and just trusting Lord. That's exactly what Peter's doing. Peter's living above this. So, so he's going to, to go to trial in the morning, but it's just a show, it's a sham, it's, it's a way for Herod just to, to uh, get the Jews riled up and then please them again by sentencing Peter to death. There's times in our life That bad stuff's going on. And it's a great example here from Peter. Our minds like won't shut down at night. No matter what you try, you can't sleep. But Peter's sound asleep, and then when he's sound asleep, the angel of the Lord appears to him and says, Put your clothes on. We're going for a walk. Verse 9. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. You can see why Peter would would think this was a dream or a vision, right? I mean, there's just he's 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 handcuffed to a soldier on each side. He's behind multiple gates and besides those two, there's 14 other soldiers there, and he's in prison. and You don't escape this prison. And all of a sudden, an angel appears to him. His handcuffs fall off, and they just start walking through gates, and they open up for him. and Nobody notices him, and so he thinks it's just a dream. But then he walks out of the prison, and then that angel of the Lord just disappears, leaving Peter on his own, verse 11. And Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. And when he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. So Peter gets taken and put in prison. The church is praying for him. They're praying constantly. It's a, it's a prayer where they're praying, God, please get Peter out of jail and save his life. And so he goes to the house where the church is meeting, where everyone's praying for his safe release. Verse 13, and he knocked at the door and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone Peter is standing at the door. So he goes to the door and knocks on the door. Now, you don't just, as the, as the disciples, you don't just open the door at night. Because it could be Roman soldiers looking for more of Jesus' followers. So this young servant girl, Rhoda, says, who is it? And Peter says, it's me, Peter. And she was so surprised it was him, she didn't even open the door and let him in. She left him out on the front porch and she ran in to tell the others. She said, hey, y'all can stop praying. Peter is at the door. Verse fifteen, you're out of your mind. They said. Here, here, let me let me put my spin on it. So they're praying for Peter to be released. He's released. He's knocking at the door. Tells them who it is. The young servant girl goes and says, "You can stop praying. It's Peter." And they said, "Shh, we're praying for Peter." Verse sixteen. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking, and they finally opened the door and saw him, and they were amazed. Let me ask you this question as as you've seen this story here. Does this sound to you like they were praying, believing that Peter was going to be released from jail? Because it sure does it to me. But the truth is, they were praying with faith. And I'd like to sh- to show you by sharing three things about what it looks like to pray with faith. And once we understand these three things, it can help us overcome those feelings of failure when things don't get answered the way we think we should. They should. And it helps us to pray big, which is going to be my challenge today. So the first of these three things is this praying with faith doesn't mean that you have to believe that God will do something. Praying with faith doesn't mean that you have to believe that God will do something. See, there's nothing about this story as we read it that would make us think that they actually believed that God was going to get Peter out of jail. Otherwise, when she went to the door and he said, it's Peter, she would have opened the door and let Peter in. And Peter would have walked in, they would have seen Peter, and they would have went, boom, he answered just like we thought he was going to. But that's not what happened. Yeah, they prayed for Peter. They wanted God to save Peter. They hoped God would save Peter. But their response to Peter knocking at the door shows that they didn't actually believe that God was going to save Peter. They were praying because God said to pray about such things. So they did. They just didn't fully believe that God was going to do it. So the second thing is this. Praying with faith does mean that you have to believe that God can do something. Were they praying in faith? Yes, they were. You see, they knew God could release Peter. They just weren't sure if he would. See, here's the great thing about these people. They were praying big. You see, when God answers our prayer, he does so according to the measure that we ask. And so they were obviously asking for a miracle. They were asking God to deliver Peter out of the handcuffs from between the two guards that he was cuffed to through two guard posts and out the iron gate with the 14 other guards not stopping him. And so he then was able to walk into the city. So, yes, it may not have been that specific. But there's no doubt they were praying that big. They could have prayed... Lord, just let Peter die in his sleep tonight. Or they could have prayed, Lord, when Peter dies tomorrow, just don't let it hurt. They could have prayed smaller things, but they prayed big. And then look how this story ends up, verse 21. Let me give you a little bit. I'm going to pick up in the middle of verse 21. So so Herod now has, has kind of, we've kind of moved on in the story a little bit. And Herod has a meeting with some people, and this is what happens. When the day arrived for this meeting, Herod put on his royal robes, sat on his throne, and made a speech to them. And the people gave him a great ovation, shouting, It's the voice of a God, not of a man. Instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God. So he was consumed with worms and died. Meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread And there were many new believers. So so let me remind you where we were at the beginning of this chapter. James was dead. Peter was about to be dead. And Herod was gloating. But now we get to the end of this chapter. Herod is dead. Peter's free. And the Bible says that the word of God multiplied. How was there such a huge change in that story? Well, it goes back to verse 5. Very earnest, big prayer. You know, Christians today, if we're willing to just admit it, which I know a lot of times we don't like to admit this stuff, but we just don't pray big anymore. You know what most of our prayers consist of? They consist of things like this. Lord, be with us at church today. Some of you, you prayed that prayer, and I don't mean to knock on you, but some of us prayed that prayer today. Lord, be with us at church today. But you know what? The Bible already told us that where two or three are gathered together in His name, that He's going to be there in their midst. You didn't have to pray that. He was coming whether you invited Him or not. But we pray small. You've heard it said in the school systems that, that we're dumbing down some things. I think... That if we're not careful, we're praying down in our prayer life. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, that we are to come boldly before the throne of grace. And Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. I think what the, the, the thing that I would love for you to, to grab from these pastor scriptures is, is God is saying to you, challenge me. Challenge me with something when you pray. Don't don't take these little prayers, but, but challenge me with something much bigger. God has shelves and shelves of blessings and miracles to hand out, but they remain stored up because Christians won't pay, pray big enough to challenge God. Instead of praying with boldness, we often pray with timidity, if we even pray at all. Those of you that have ever played baseball, Let's just let's do a hypothetical here. For my baseball players. You get to play for the Texas Rangers. You're in the World Series. It's the seventh game of the World Series. It's the bottom of the ninth. The bases are loaded, and nobody's out. You with me so far? All it means is. Just got to get one run home. Didn't even have to be safe, right? You just got to get a run home. So let me ask you this. Oh, let me throw this into. And you know what pitch is coming? Not a curveball, not a fastball. It's a seventy-two mile per hour changeup that's going to come right down the middle of the plate. Let me ask you this, baseball players. That's you. You know it's coming. This is your chance to be the hero and go down in World Series history. Is there any of you that are going to square around the bunt? No. You see, there's there's not any outs. And it's the first pitch and you know what's happening. You know what you're going to do? You're gonna swing clean out of your socks is what you're gonna do. And you're gonna, in your mind, you've got this idea that I'm about to knock the crud out of this ball and I'm gonna hit a grand slam in the, in game seven, bottom of the ninth to win the World Series for my team. You're gonna swing for the fence is what you're gonna do. If you watch baseball on TV, every now and then those, those big hitters, and there's lots of them in the league right now, they, they they just, they're home run hitters, that's what they do. And when sometimes they swing so hard that they totally lose their balance and fall. And you know what? The announcers, at least the ones I watch, they don't make fun of them. They compliment the fact that they had their mind made up. They were swinging for the fence. In prayer, we have the opportunity to step up to the plate and swing for the fence. And a lot of Christians are squaring around to bunt. And I want to challenge you today to stop praying wimpy prayers and let's start praying big. I had a youth pastor friend years ago. And he was telling me a story about uh, a young man in his youth group. Actually, it started off as just a visitor. This was a kid that was invited, did not go to their church, but was invited to go to youth camp with them one summer. And so this, this young man's name was Russ. And, and he went to, to a summer camp with them. He came to know the Lord and commit his life to Jesus Christ. And he went to the youth pastor and he said, man, I never knew all of this stuff about my sin and about my need for Jesus. And I'm afraid that, that the other people that I know, that they don't, they don't know either. I, I want to know how I can witness to my whole school. And they talked about it and the youth pastor said, well, that's what you pray for. You pray and ask God to give you the opportunity to witness to your entire school. I don't know about you, but that's that's pretty bold for a kid that just came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that's when he began to pray Lord, give me an opportunity to witness to my whole school. I shared with you that he was on the gymnastics team, or at least I think I did, but uh, he began to witness to his teammates on the gym, gymnastics team at his school, and all of them got saved. They did well in the season and ended up losing the state championship by a tenth of a point so they were came in second in state and, and the school held a rally honoring a youth a, a, a pep rally honoring the team and the administration told the team we want you to pick one person uh, on the team to address the school and they picked Russ and Russ stood before his school at that pep rally and began to talk about what Jesus Christ had done for him And he got the opportunity to witness to his entire school all at one time. Why? Because he prayed big. You See, when we pray big, that gets God's attention. And I I think that one of the things that we've got to be willing to, to, if you want to say it this way, risk at failing, is swinging for the fence and not at a bunt. So instead of praying, Lord, let me witness to one co-worker this year. Begin to pray, Lord, let me witness to all of my co-workers this year. Instead of praying, Lord, give me a a decent job. Pray, Lord, give me a job where I'm so successful and so good at it. And it's, it's such a good job that it allows me to have money to bless others with. Or if you're single, maybe I'll just use the ladies for an example. Instead of just praying, God, give me a man. Pray, God, give me a man who loves God, who loves me, and who's good looking too. (laughs) See, that kind of prayer, that gets God's attention. And here's the thing. You don't even have to believe that God will make it happen. You just got to know that he can. So here's the third thing I want you to see. Praying with faith doesn't mean that God is obligated to give you what you ask for. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is speaking about prayer. And he says this beginning in verse 7. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? And if you write in your Bible, underline or circle the word good. Because that's the kind of gifts that God gives. Parents, if our child asks for something that is good for them, aren't we inclined to say yes? I mean, if if your six-year-old comes and says, Mommy, can I have some broccoli? Aren't you inclined to go, uh, yeah? Or if your 16-year-old comes to you and says, Dad, would you set a data limit on my phone? Now, that would be a miracle, Right? (laughs) But wouldn't you be inclined to say yes? Why? Because we, we are willing to give the things that we know are good. I, I want to show you a video um, to, to, to use as a, as a point. It's a video about someone who wanted something, and they knew that what they wanted was good. But it wasn't exactly what they thought it was. So watch this. Child will not stop insisting on tasting this. I keep telling him it's going to be gross, but he does not want to listen. So I'm going to let him find out for himself. <laughs> Lisp it out. <laughs> Come on, get to the sink. <laughs> okay, so this boy saw something that he knew was good. He was absolutely convinced, no matter what his mom said. He probably can't read, but he had seen those letters in that formation with that color wrapper before. And he knew Hershey's chocolate was good. He may have even seen something very similar to that, that she put in his white milk and stirred it up and made chocolate milk. He wanted it. He knew it was good for him. And apparently his mom had been telling him no for a long time, but he was insistent. So... She finally let him have a taste of what he wanted. And he found out that it wasn't what he thought it was. And you know what? He might listen a little closer to his mom next time. And that's exactly how God works with us when we pray. When we pray for something that in our mind, we know this is really what I want. I know this is good for me. And even if we pray with big faith, God is not obligated To give it to us because even if we think it's what we want, God may say no because he knows it's not what we think it is. And sometimes if we're insistent and it isn't against his will, God might let us have a little taste of what we're asking for. Why? So that maybe we'll take him at his word next time. See, God is under no obligation to give us what we ask for, even if we ask in faith, because God knows whether what we're asking for is actually good or not. And God gives good gifts to us. So let me close with this thought. I know that some of you, you, you maybe you've, been, you've grown up in a different faith tradition or you've, you've, you've become s- grown so accustomed to the name it and claim it theology that you're struggling with, with what I'm sharing with you this morning. You're struggling with how I'm describing faith because you've been taught that if you pray in faith, you will get what you asked for. I just want to ask this question. Do you believe that when Jesus prayed that he lacked faith? I don't believe that he did. But here's an example of Jesus praying in Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. Verse 39. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground. My father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Where is Jesus about to go? About to go to the cross. Verse 42. Verse 42. Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. Verse 44. He went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. So Jesus prayed three times that he wouldn't have to go to the cross. But his prayer was not granted. He died on the cross shortly after praying this prayer. The question is, is, did Jesus not get his prayer answered because he didn't pray with faith? No. No. You see, just because he prayed with faith, because he knew that God could do it if that was his will, but it didn't obligate God to give Jesus what he asked for, and the same is true for us. Faith is believing that God can do something, not necessarily that he will, and Jesus understood that. That's why he said in two of those verses, but your will be done. Have you ever felt like a failure at prayer have you stopped praying because you thought you didn't have the right amount of faith do you believe that god can do anything because if you do then you can pray for anything some of you, you haven't stopped praying altogether you just stopped thinking big Lord, help my husband to do good at work today. Lord, help the kids to be on time at school today. And we're back to you know what the earlier example. Just give me a man. Is that all? Because if that's all you asked for, that might be all you get. Let's don't pray small. Let's pray big. I, you 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 don't have to know if God will do it. You just got to know that He can. You have to understand that he's not obligated because he's not going to give you something that is going to hurt you. Even if you're convinced it's not baking cocoa, but real chocolate. God knows what we don't know. So let's be men and women and boys and girls of prayer. Not letting past unanswered prayer make us feel like failures and stand in the way of us praying with faith. It's not that God will do something we don't know, but we we know He can if it's for our good and for His glory. So let's, let's get out of the habit of either no prayer or when we pray, wimpy prayer. Let's swing for the fence. Every day, every time, let's challenge God by praying big and stand back and watch what he does. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? There are a lot of reasons today why your prayer life might be struggling. Sometimes it's this fear of failure, sometimes it's pride where we just. Want to try to handle it all on our own and God only becomes our last resort. Sometimes it's because we feel insignificant. Why would God even want to bother with me? But listen, God wants to bother with us because He loves us. We are His sons. We are His daughters. And He is asking us to challenge Him and trust Him to know. What is good for us? So let's be people of prayer. And let's get back to praying big prayers. And watch what God will do. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that You have a desire to have fellowship with us and to have communication with us and you want to hear from us and that we're not insignificant to you. We are your sons and we are your daughters. You have a desire to show up big on our behalf. Maybe the reason that Some of us haven't seen you show up big for us. is because we haven't challenged you at all in our prayer life. Father, give us an understanding of what it is to pray with faith. God, help us to pray big. So that you can do the things that are for our good and for your glory. And ask all this in Jesus' name.